This is section nine of Mark Twain A Biography, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain A Biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter one hundred thirteen Two Domestic Dramas. Some unusual happenings took place that summer of eighteen seventy seven. John T. Lewis, colored, already referred to as the religious antagonist of Auntie Cord, by great presence of mind and bravery, saved the lives of Mrs. Clemens' sister-in-law, Mrs. Charles Charlie Langdon, her little daughter Julia, and her nursemaid. They were in a buggy, and their runaway horse was flying down East Hill toward Elmira to certain destruction, when Lewis, laboring slowly homeward with a loaded wagon, saw them coming, and turned his team across the road, after which he leapt out and with extraordinary strength and quickness grabbed the horse's bridle and brought him to a standstill. The Clemens and Crane families, who had seen the runaways start at the farm gate, arrived half-wild with fear, only to find the supposed victims entirely safe. Everybody contributed in rewarding Lewis. He received money, $1,500, and various other presents, including inscribed books and trinkets also what he perhaps valued more than anything a marvelous stem-winding gold watch clemens writing a full account to dr brown of the watch says and if any scoffer shall say behold this thing is out of character there is an inscription within which will silence him for it will teach him that this wearer aggrandizes the watch not the watch the wearer in another paragraph he says when lewis arrived the other evening after having saved those lives by a feat which i think is the most marvelous i can call to mind when he arrived hunched up on his manure wagon and as grotesquely picturesque as usual everybody wanted to go and see how he looked they came back and said he was beautiful it was so too and yet he would have photographed exactly as he would have done any day these past seven years that he has occupied this farm lewis acknowledged his gifts in a letter which closed with a paragraph of rare native loftiness but i beg to say humbly that inasmuch as divine providence saw fit to use me as an instrument for the saving of those precious lives the honor conferred upon me was greater than the feat performed lewis lived to enjoy his prosperity and the honor of the clemens and langdon households for twenty-nine years when he was too old to work there was a pension to which clemens contributed also Henry H. Rogers. So the simple-hearted, noble old negro closed his days in peace. Mrs. Crane, in a letter late in July 1906, told of his death. He was always cheerful, and seemed not to suffer much pain, told stories, and was able to eat almost everything. Three days ago a new difficulty appeared, on account of which his doctor said he must go to the hospital for care such as it was quite impossible to give it in his home. He died on his way there. Thus it happened that he died on the road 
where he had performed his greatest deed. A second unusual incident of that summer occurred in Hartford. There had been a report of a strange man seen about the Clemens place, thought to be a prospecting burglar, and Clemens went over to investigate. A little searching inquiry revealed that the man was not a burglar, but a mechanic out of employment, a lover of one of the housemaids, who had given him food and shelter on the premises, intending no real harm. When the girl found that her secret was discovered, she protested that he was her fiancé, though she said he appeared lately to have changed his mind and no longer wished to marry her. The girl seemed heartbroken, and sympathy for her was naturally the first and about the only feeling which Clemens developed for the time being. He reasoned with the young man, but without making much headway. Finally his dramatic instinct prompted him to a plan of a sort which would have satisfied even Tom Sawyer. He asked Twitchell to procure a license for the couple, and to conceal himself in a ground-floor bathroom. He arranged with the chief of police to be on hand in another room, with the rest of the servants quietly to prepare a wedding feast, and finally with Lizzie herself to be dressed for the ceremony. He had already made an appointment with the young man to come to see him at a certain hour on a matter of business and the young man arrived in the belief, no doubt, that it was something which would lead to profitable employment. When he came in, Clemens gently and quietly reviewed the situation, told him of the young girl's love for him, how he had been sheltered and fed by her, how through her kindness to him she had compromised her reputation for honesty and brought upon her all the suspicion of having sheltered a burglar, how she was ready and willing to marry him, and how he, Clemens, was ready to assist them to obtain work and a start in life. But the young man was not enthusiastic. He was a Swede, and slow of action. He resolutely declared that he was not ready to marry yet, and in the end refused to do so. Then came the dramatic moment. Clemens quietly but firmly informed him that the wedding ceremony must take place that by infesting his premises he had broken the law, not only against trespass, but most likely against housebreaking. There was a brief discussion of this point. Finally Clemens gave him five minutes to make up his mind, with the statement that he had an officer in waiting, and unless he would consent to the wedding he would be taken in charge. The young man began to temporize, saying that it would be necessary for him to get a license and a preacher but Clemens stepped to the door of the bathroom, opened it, and let out Twitchell, who had been sweltering there in that fearful place for more than an hour, it being August. The delinquent lover found himself confronted with all the requisites of matrimony except the bride, and just then this detail appeared on the scene, dressed for the occasion. Behind her ranged the rest of the servants and a few invited guests. Before the young man knew it he had a wife and on the whole did not seem displeased. It ended with a gay supper and festivities. Then Clemens started them handsomely by giving each of them a check for one hundred dollars, and in truth, which in this case at least is stranger than fiction, they lived happily and prosperously ever after. Some years later Mark Twain based a story on this episode, but it was never entirely satisfactory and remains unpublished. End of chapter 113, Two Domestic Dramas, read by John Greenman.